All right, we're going to be live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And I got to tell you folks, tonight it's a big show. We actually have a real live actor and comedian uh, and improv actor uh, talent on the No Outlet Podcast. Um, I was lucky enough to take an improv class from UCB, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade. And our guest tonight was my teacher. Um, Teaching can be challenging no matter what you're doing. And this gentleman uh, made it fun. um, And he got some really kind of complex concepts across to the entire group that are difficult to articulate. And he made that process really fun and enjoyable and actually kind of made me want to keep doing it. Um, So I would say that he has a black belt in uh, taking comedy very seriously And I am uh, very excited for him to be here on the show and to have a conversation. So without any further ado, please welcome to the No Outlet Podcast, Mr. Ali Gondor. Ali. Oh, wow. Wow. The crowd noise. Hello. You should see the people. I mean, it's standing room only here. (laughs) They are waiting all day. Yeah, it's wild. And I I like how they're polite, too. They know when to kind of calm down a little bit right at the end there. It's like an opera. It's like, (laughs) okay, now it's time to be quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah thanks for having me Excited absolutely yeah no we're gonna play we're gonna play a game called 20 questions and uh, it always starts in the same place and that's question number one question number one do you believe in the power of positive thinking uh yes that's yeah i i, I do it's funny because i feel the like cynic in me like tugging at me when when it's like it's like don't just give a resounding yes to that um but i do i think as i've gotten older um and you know like uh, ther- therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy research and stuff like that i think it's uh i think there's a pretty clear case for you know a lot of your thinking kind of dictates what your experience is going to be yeah. like no, I think that's true. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. I think, you know, there's a million different ways to put it. But at the end of the day, I think that you are a receptor of energy that's out there. And you're also an emitter of energy. And, and you can choose to put off whatever energy you want and believe that certain situations are going to turn out certain ways. And does it always work? No. But by and large, what you're doing is you're allowing things that could happen um, to happen a little bit easier. At least that's my belief. So I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty accurate. We're, we're one for one. We're off to a good start here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, as I mentioned, I took an improv class from you, uh, had the best time, uh, signed up again, doing it again. So my question for you now is when and where was the first time that you, that you saw a live improv show? Ooh, yeah. Good question. First, first live improv show. I think, um, yeah, my, my very first exposure that I think of televised had to be like a whose line is it anyway mm-hmm. show, which I think was you know for a lot of people. But live, that's a really good question. I don't know if I've thought of that. It was definitely, it was probably some kind of amateur college thing at like uh, at like UCLA. Oh yeah, that makes um, sense. They had a yeah they had a short form team that was called um, uh, Buick Improv, mm-hmm. um, and they were good. They were all really funny people, and it was. You know, it was more, it was more short form. I didn't see long form until I started watching, um, you know, other stuff later, but <laughs> I do remember. So there was, there's a, there's a game, I think it's like a party guest or something like that. It's a short form game. Yeah. And the idea is the, the audience knows 
who these people showing up to the party are. So it'll be like, you know, who's this person? Oh, Mr. T. And then the person who's playing on the inside of the team has to like guess by the clues that they get, you know? So like, so like somebody walking in might be like, Oh, is there a place where I can, you know, put my chains or something like that? And they'll be like, Oh, and they're kind of guessing at it. And the, the, the idea is like, the audience knows the person on stage doesn't right. and you kind of slowly reveal until you're getting to places where you're sort of like, Oh, I, you know, I pity the fool who whatever. Right. <laughs> it's funny. I've, I've never played this game. I've only seen it done. Anyway, the piece that I remember is one, <laughs> one of these guys, they're just college kids, you know, one of the guys was like assigned Skeletor and he immediately like committed to a really like good voice and was like, ah, and like acting evil. But then on his like second sentence was like, ah, me Skeletor needs to do <laughs> And it was the funniest shit in the world because it was just, it was just immediately the game going wrong and everyone loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, my yeah. Fir- my first thought when you said Mr. T was all right. What would I say? I you know, do you have a a, a comb specifically for mohawks with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's fine. I think like I've, I'm 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 I don't have much short form experience. I do mostly long form, but like I think that's the art in that probably is like those those like halfway kind of offers where the audience is like, oh, that's a good. It doesn't give it away, but it's a clue. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, when did, when was it that, you know, sounds like you were introduced to it, you know, on TV first and then a little bit in college. When was it that you realized that, okay, it's obviously entertaining, it's obviously interesting, but when was it that you thought to yourself, okay, you know what, I think I want to take this a little bit further. I want to be up there. I want to maybe even be teaching it. Like, what made you take that step? Because a lot of people see improv and a lot of people love it, but not everybody goes to the extent that you have. Yeah, yeah. I I I think it's probably two things. I think one is that it really so like I've I've always kind of felt like a creative person, but yeah. I've definitely my blocks have been sort of like a hyper attention to detail that, you know, results in like a perfectionist perfectionist kind of thing that slows the process down quite a bit. So, you know, I've always I've always like really struggled with, uh, you know, a lot of the like creative advice where it's just sort of, you know, like just just get something out there and then like fix it later. Like mm-hmm. that's really difficult for me. And so I think that in improv, it's like the only choice you have, you know, it's like mm-hmm. each moment you say something and it's like, well, that's what I said. And that's the reality now. And there's no, you know hitting the space, the, the backspace bar on your keyboard and trying right. to like rewrite the line over and over and over. So it's like it's a medium that I think suits me because it forces me to be present and it forces you like every second you're just sort of like, you're in it, you're in it, you're creating, you're creating. Um, so that's like, I think that's piece of it. Is it something that really like it, it prevents me from doing my normal bullshit and it makes me continue right. to create, you know? Right. Um, so that, that's a piece of it. And then as far as like sticking with it, I, I, it's a really good question because yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's it's definitely something to think about devoting a lot of time to. <laughs> like if you if you really if you really love it, like absolutely do it. Yeah. But it it can be very it can be very like time consuming as well. I mean, yeah. every improv nerd can tell you that. For me, it was just you know positive feedback and positive reinforcement. Like yeah. I'm 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 kind of bad at like looking too far ahead so if something's in front of me and it seems to be going well and like the next step is like oh i think i think i can do that i think i can like probably i could probably you know finish that class or i could probably you know make a team or i could probably you know whatever it is 
and it feels like you're getting, you know, positive feedback. Like that's, that's sort of how I went. It just sort of, I guess the, um, the, the frog or the lobster was boiled slowly enough that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really notice it along the way. <laughs> One of those two sounds really good to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, lobster, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so you've done, you've done some acting, you've done some writing, um, mm-hmm. Which one do you enjoy more? Uh, good question. Um, acting, I yeah. think. Um, it's it's uh, the process of like getting acting jobs is definitely a grind mm-hmm. that can be, you know, soul crushing at worst, and then yeah. just kind of a grind at other times. But um, yeah, I enjoy acting. Like when there's when there's a part that feels right, and it's something that I feel like I'm you know, adding value to, and it's something where it's like, oh, I know that I'm like, I'm, I'm making choices here that are, you know, exciting me, and I'm making choices that are, you know, doing funny stuff with this character that maybe wasn't already on the page, or I'm just right. like, it's giving, giving the material on the page its due, you know, and, and, and honoring this like really good writing, that kind of thing. That's when it's like, feels great. Yeah, yeah. When totally. it feels, feels alive. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so I have to point this out because it's one of my favorite shows ever uh, with some an amazing set of talent, uh, and that's the Goldbergs. And you were you you played a character, a recurring character uh, on the Goldbergs. And I'm wondering, um, with that as the backdrop, can you explain the complexities of playing a character like Dumb Doug? <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, the complexity of Dumb Doug is that he's not dumb at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was cool. That was a fun part. That was a uh, that was actually really really early. I got um, uh, a, that that role, and it was uh, one. I think it was what season two or something like that. And then randomly, several seasons later, I just got a, a an email that was like, "Hey, they're bringing back Dumb Doug. Are you available for these days?" <laughs> and I was like. I, I had no idea this guy would return. He's like, he's part of the, like, if there's like a Cobra Kai kind of like rival gang on the show, uh-huh. he's like one of those guys, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they brought him back for a baseball episode and I was extremely happy to show up for it. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. So as I mentioned with that show, it's like, you know, you got Garland. You, I mean, the, the list of people, uh, George Siegel, rest in peace, was on that show. I mean, it's just yeah, an amazing yeah. show. I, I, I've never seen a bad episode. But of all mm, the yeah. different things that you've been on, um, can you point to one that was like when you when you were done being part of it, uh, even if it was a small part or a larger part, you walked away like, wow, that was a great group of people. It was really great to be part of it, and, and I learned a lot from those people. Like, was there one experience that stuck out as being more impactful or more beneficial than another? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's a hard question because I feel like you learn so much from every single piece that you do. Um, sorry, there's a giant garbage truck outside right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I, but I, yeah, I feel like, um, uh, uh, you know, even when stuff goes poorly, you're still kind of like walking away with, you know, like, Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. I learned something from that too. Um, but, uh, one thing that jumped into my head just when you started asking the question was there was a freeform show called Alone Together. Um, that's, uh, Esther Pavitsky and Benji Aflalo's show. And I did, yeah. I did an episode with them where I played this like shithead DJ shoe store owner guy. His name is Fat, <laughs> Fat Chew. Um, and it was, I mean, yeah, like it's the description by itself is funny. Right. So it was like, yeah, it was one of those, it was, it was one of those things where 
the audition felt fun. The character felt fun. Like even just doing, doing the audition, even I was like, this is a blast. So that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. And then when I was on set, I got really lucky because I think like, you know, I tossed, tossed a few ad libs in here and there and like got the sense that like the director was into it, which is great. Cause sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, yeah cool. But like, hey, don't do that. Line, you know um so so getting a little bit of that freedom and then him kind of like encouraging it more and more and then i ended up like working with this director jake harris like a few more times after that oh that's cool amazing so yeah so that was one of those days where i, I remember kind of like where it hit my life too i remember leaving and going yeah you you really like this when it goes really well it like feels amazing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no, absolutely it's getting that win you know, I mean, yeah, makes all the swings and misses, you know, a little bit more, you know, palatable, you know, I mean, it's like, absolutely, you gotta have it, it all, it's all worth it when you get to put on a, a sideways cap and go, woo, <laughs> like a stupid DJ. <laughs> By the way, what a combination, whoever wrote that character, I want to meet them, that's, you know, yeah, an obnoxious yeah. DJ who also sells shoes out of his own shoe store, that's perfect. It was it's a very funny show. Yeah, awesome. So, obviously, the way we've been doing improv recently and the way you've had to teach it in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, whatever it's been now, it's different than, you know, live and in person. And before I took the online classes with UCB, I did do a few um, in person, you know, improv. And it's totally different, right? And I feel like in in some respect, when I first was resigned to the fact that in-person improv was going away and I was going to have to do it online i was like oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna be terrible you know but then i i tried it and you know i actually enjoyed it and yeah I, yeah and, and you were good at it too oh i appreciate that that's nice and, and i i guess my question for you is do you feel like practicing improv online while it's limited in many ways one obvious one is you can't do the physical aspect nearly as easily as you can face to face but do you feel like that that boxed in tight approach has opened up maybe a different kind of improv skill that maybe wouldn't have been cultivated if, you know, if you're doing it in a room with other people? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I think that there's a a piece of it that's like the camera's closer, you know? So that's like, that's very helpful, I think, for um, smaller reactions. I think for like, you know, I, I've taught online classes now where I've had people just do, um, you know, very small office-y kind of, uh, you know, looks and stuff that I think mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily play in bigger rooms. Um, so I think that's one piece of it that's cool to see, just that, that like, intimacy of being, you know, right up in somebody's face so you can kind of, you know, you can see the acting a little better. Sure. Um, the downside of that is, like, you know, you're acting through your laptop, so it's not, not quite as much, you know, uh, immediacy or feedback. Um, but then the, the a bigger thing that I've noticed is like the, the heady parts of improv are very much like sometimes they're tough to digest when you're on stage in front of people. Mm-hmm. And so I think like people just being comfortable in their homes, comfortable on their laptop, it's like it lets you uh, focus on like the, the cerebral parts of it a little more. I think like oh, that's because a lot a lot of a lot of the UCB stuff, especially you know, when you get in the game, it's a lot of um it can feel like math sometimes when you're figuring out how to, you know, find the game and play the game and keep the game afloat and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so I think like being in a comfortable place and being in a comfortable space for that is definitely uh, helpful for me. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I think, you know, because with everything that is a change, there's positive, there's negative, And I want yeah, to perspective yeah. on that for sure. All right. So um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, how does it feel to share a name with a multi-million dollar CEO from Lebanon? <laughs> Are there any hidden well, benefits like, to that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's- <laughs> It makes it, what's nice is it makes it difficult for um, casting directors to find me when they Google me, which is, <laughs> no, it's, it's horrible. Uh, good for him. He started a company and did a, did a whole thing. Right, right. Um, I, I, I get, it's like, my name is actually like pretty common elsewhere in the world. So I do get like, not, not probably not his specific emails, but I get a lot of emails that are for other Aegon doers a lot of the time. Sure, <laughs> Yeah. Well, because I was, you know, I was just looking at your IMBD page, and and of course, you just Google the name, and and I'm like, oh, oh, wow, oh no, that's not him. I'm just like, well, yeah, but it's yeah, one of the yeah. Top results that's right up there. So it's gonna be. I mean, hopefully, when I get to the age that people would believe that I was like a CEO from Lebanon, <laughs> then like it'll be kind of fun to have it be more right. confusing. Just like, right. yeah, a little bit more transferable there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what is the best musical concert that you've ever seen? I, I, I really miss those. COVID times have kind of been a drag for a lot of reasons, but I'm a huge music fan. I used to love going to concerts, and that just doesn't happen anymore. So, I always like to ask people, and you might not be a music fan, but if you are and you've gone to concerts, what's the, what's the most fun you've had at a concert? Yeah, no, that's I'm a huge, huge music fan. That's so really hard to pick a, a best, best. Um, couple ones that jumped to mind. Um, I once saw Against Me at the Troubadour. I saw Against Me a bunch of times, but at one time I saw Against Me at the Troubadour, and when I was in the pit, my shoes like exploded, like they just <laughs> fell apart, like because of just just how much energy there was going on yeah yeah it was like i kept like i kept like looking down being like oh i gotta tie my shoes because they're like loose and then at one point i looked down it was just like no like the sides had just blown out (laughs) these are like you know old like chuck taylor like converse kind of shoes that's the sign of a good time right there you know yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) uh and then um another another show that i saw that was like very like uh, uh less less concerty less rowdy was this band called the books um at i actually saw them at the getty they were playing in this like auditorium that the getty has and the books is just two two guys it's one cellist and one guitarist and they use a lot of like found footage and found audio clips like they're both like you know thrift store like bargain bin you know diggers that like will find weird you know instructional tapes and then they kind of like mash the sound bites in with their with their other musical you know contributions and it sounds it's like it's amazing stuff it's like it's got like some humor to it a little bit but it's also he's like one of them i think they're both like you know into buddhism and stuff so it's like it's really really good vibes and i remember them talking about how where they were playing the sound is just like you know it was at the getty and it was this auditorium at the getty and they were both like we're, we're such like audio nerds so this room feels really really cool to play wow, <laughs> that's like, cool. yeah so it's like yeah, performance it's cool. art almost too yeah 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 have you ever heard of uh um the art of noise uh it sounds familiar so it's from a million years ago um but Mm. when you when we're we're done or when you have a moment just do a quick spotify for the art of noise and the name of the song is close to the edit because it was too it, it sounded exactly what you just described two guys that basically just take song sounds of different things 
and mash them all together to make something, you know, that's more collective and it's. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of those like, like I, like negative land is another, another like pioneer from that, like, you know, kind of like a collage kind of music. I really love that stuff. I really love the, like the reappropriated, repurposed kind of material. Totally. Totally. Um, Do the ends always justify the means? Oh boy. Um, no, not always. No, yeah. can't be no. Always, right? uh, yeah, it can't be always. I agree. Um, it's always that you, you know. know. It, I I try to ask that question as many times as I can, and I've gotten a lot of different answers. But nobody. No, I take that back. One person did emphatically say yes. They always do, um, <laughs> but, but most people say no. It's about the journey. You know, there are probably certain times, like Baby Hitler's the most overused example of all time, but that that would be one that would be worth it in my from my perspective. But I think as a general rule, there's no way you could say it always does, right? Yeah, like absolutes in general. You know, like even the absolutes of absolutes are hard. It's like, it's like right. pretty tough, you know, yeah. absolutes in general are like pretty tough to deal with. It's, it's very much... You know, do, do the ends justify the means? My mind just goes, "What are we talking about?" You know, like, <laughs> yeah, let's just what are, let's get to the actual discussion. Let's we'll start figuring out what what the trades are here. It's a very expansive question by design. So sorry. If yeah, yeah, totally, um, totally. All right. So uh, you were part of a group called the Waitlist. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. You guys had a bunch of really cool videos still up there on YouTube. Any plans for a waitlist reunion? Are you guys still working together? Oh, I'm still I'm still buds with with everybody in the waitlist, and we still we still definitely talk and stuff. It's just everybody got really busy with their own individual thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that crazy for us to. It would probably just be like more improv shows. Yeah. Every so often, something will come up where it's not officially a waitlist project, but it's like you know, uh, three fourths of the people involved and then a yeah. different director or something like that. So like a lot of times we'll still collaborate and you'll get, you'll get a little bit of that waitlist feel to Heavy it. Waitlist DNA. Um, yeah, exactly. A lot of that stuff. The reason why um, I asked the question no, that, is you guys were, you, you seem to me to be way out in front of the curve. Like I'm talking, you had videos 10, 11, 12 years ago, I think, or at least 10 or 11 years ago. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And, and back then, you know, video the consumption of video content today is exponentially greater than it was then. So it almost seems like you guys were at, at way ahead of your time where now I think the appetite for consuming videos on YouTube or any other platform is so much greater that it would be, if there was ever going to be a waitlist uh, resurgence via videos on YouTube, you know, now wouldn't be a terrible time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and that reminds me too, there's such, you know, we, we never really got good at like the, the YouTube algorithm, you know, like that was something that I think it was, it was still early for, for kind of gaming the numbers and right. figuring out like how many, you know, videos you should put out a week on what schedule and that kind of thing. And it's so wild now, like, I was talking to, uh, uh, th- there's another sketch group, um, from UCB. They're called Cream and they're really good. And they also, you know, were like, you know, early, early folks in the thing. And we were <laughs> like, we we're talking about how you can, you can write in the exact name of your sketch and like your full name and the full team name 
into YouTube search and it like won't come up because like the algorithm is just, it's so trained to be like, did you want these other videos? You probably want these other videos, right? Yeah. It's like you have to, and it's, it's like, uh, you know, I'm talking like, you know, my, my name specifically plus the sketch name, plus like words from the exact description and it like won't come up in the Too search. Specific. You're just like, yeah, it's wild. It is crazy. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So, uh, it, UCB, one of the most well-known uh, improv uh, organizations, I guess you'd call them. You guys have a, a booklet that people consider kind of like the Bible of improv. And the list of people that have associated themselves with UCB is long and very impressive. Um, if if you had to uh, point to a couple of people that were, I don't want to call them founders of UCB, but you know, people that have been around UCB for a long time and, and maybe that you've come in contact with, you know, are there people that have been more influential to you than others or, or just maybe a couple you want to point out that really kind of were, were, were really supportive of, of you getting involved and you learned a lot from them, just being around them and watching them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so many. Like my my some of my earliest teachers absolutely like i had julie brister for 101 and um she's amazing and i you know uh, she I, I remember her just just being so encouraging and and so you know like she she just kind of pushed me to she could tell that i was getting it early and was just like get out there more do more and i was mm. like that's so cool to have a teacher tell you that because you're always you know you're always a little like you know hesitant or in your head or whatever you know, Julie, Julie was great. Um, Eugene Cordero is one that really sticks out. Joe Wenger was a guy who I remember like watching on stage and thinking he was so funny and like how refreshing it was to not need to just be, you know, wacky balls to be funny. And yeah. he was really, really thinky, but also like could be emotionally affected and, you know, all that stuff. Um, uh, uh, Zach Woods is really good mm. um, and then even pre-UCB I had you know JD Walsh was like one of my my first improv teacher like ever and he was he was a guy that really um, you know stressed that like improv didn't have to be soulless which I really really connected with yeah that's cool um, yeah yeah and, and it, it seems like I mean my very limited compared to you and, and a lot of other people experience with improv is that no matter where it's been, I think I've been, you know, three or four different places online, face to face, everybody, um, to a person has been mm. nice and supportive. And, um, it's just a, it, it feels for lack of a less, you know, stupid way to put it, it feels like a safe place just to have some fun and to not worry about, you know, saying something stupid or doing the wrong thing. It's just, I think that's one of the things I like most about it is that, there's, there really, and there probably is in some situations, and I'm naive to it or whatever. But I, to me, it, I haven't seen anybody that's judgy at all. It's just like, go for it, you know. Not that no one's going to give you notes or or tell you to do things differently, but it, they're never going to be discouraging when you try. Yeah, yeah. I think like you know, by by its nature, the form is a supportive one, you know, and it's it, it attracts people who are at least don't have so much pretense that they can't like get up and pretend and be kind of silly for a little bit. You know, it's like, there's definitely, you know, there's like uh, with any scene, there's going to be, you know, like gossip and sort of like, you know, climbing ladders and social climbing and stuff like that. Like a lot of that stuff's inevitable, but I think that like, what's nice about improv is like, 
if you're if you're trying to take yourself too seriously, it's like, hey, you're, you're like doing improv. You're playing pretend in front of people. Like, how, you know, like how right. how serious are you going to take yourself? Yeah. You know, so I think that's I think that's cool. It's a lot of uh, it it attracts a lot of different creative types, and I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, you've obviously done. I mean, you've been a part of ASCAT and a number of uh, other you know improv teams or, or whatever the proper terminology is, and you performed in front of people live, you know, I'm sure hundreds of times, but you've also done a lot of, you know, studio production for TV and movies. Do you prefer one, there's totally different types of energy and totally different types of, you know, parameters. Is there one that you Mm. prefer over another live versus, you know, in front of a camera in a studio? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I would, I'd, I'd probably have to say live. I think like, Especially because I find live shows kind of like the fuel for, you know, if you're auditioning for stuff and nothing's hitting or it's like starting to feel kind of like, uh, this script isn't right for me and I still have to devote a bunch of time and figure out how to do it good. You know, like when, when you're right. doing stuff like that, it does feel really good to just get up on stage and be like, well, I think this is funny. And oh, shit, the audience likes it too. That's great. That makes me feel good. You know, <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah, to have that connection. And I also, it's one thing that I miss too um, right now with Zoom stuff is like, I I personally feel like as a player that I, I, I hope to be in tune with the audience kind of like throughout the show mm-hmm. um, where you can kind of see and feel when they're getting something, when they're not getting something, what they're, what they're sort of like level of uh, uh, how far along they are with you is, you know? And I think that's like, that's a, that's a fun, that's a fun connection live where you're kind yeah. of, you can, you can like pull them along or you can kind of tell like, Oh, they're not quite there yet. Or like, no, they really don't like this. Move on to something else. You know, <laughs> I think like that, that level, like you said, instant feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Nice too. That's cool. Um, all right. So since you're a member of the improv Illuminati, um, I want to take advantage of this and, and find out, you know, uh, what the, what's going on behind the scenes. So, and this is, you know, that's a jokey beginning, but this is a serious question. So have you, do you know of any, medical studies or any kind of like um, research done on what practicing improv does uh, in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the brain healthy, you know, and and the reason I'm asking the question is when I think about people that, you know, have uh, some kind of mental decline or people that, you know, are depressed or especially now where you can do it online, I feel like there's Mm. a tremendous potential benefit um, no empirical data at all backing this up, but I feel like there's a tremendous benefit to to doing that and and to being engaged and to making all those connections fire in your brain. Uh, I definitely I've been you know doing it for a couple of years now, and I can notice a difference at work. I can notice the difference with my relationships. It just makes mm-hmm. me more present almost. But I'm but then I started thinking like from a therapeutic point of view, like if there was someone that was older, retired, lonely, and didn't want to feel lonely and didn't want to feel sad, like I bet that would help. And I'm wondering, have you ever heard of any mm. kind of studies around like ther- like improv as therapy, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I don't, I haven't heard too much about that. I know that I had, I think I had a friend who was, was looking into it for a little while when he was getting into, you know, studying therapy stuff. And I remember, I think there was, like like 
not reenacting stuff, but kind of like working stuff out via improv therapy, I think was a piece of it. But I've never straight up, um, you know, heard any studies of like, you know, the same as like doing Sudoku will like keep you sharp and you're like, you know, older age, I haven't heard anything, but I, I imagine, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right, if you're really like trying to, to do the, the thing and trying to like, you're not just, you know, spouting out random stuff. Like you're trying to do scenes, you know, then like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like your brain's on fire the whole time. So it feels like it would, you know, keep you, keep you sharp. Yeah. Absolutely. But also, I'm not a doctor, so it could be it could be killing all of us. Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the most ironic thing ever? Oh, you're yeah you're doing so yeah. much damage. You're you're wearing it out. Um, it's like truly true. like by by 2025, doctors realize like you have a finite of creative right. sentences in your head. So <laughs> use them wisely, and like we've all just burned them out on stage. <laughs> Sir, you're all out of funny. You, you yeah, you've truly. got no more funny. Um, yeah. What TV show do you watch that makes you that you actually find it doesn't have to make you laugh out loud because people you can find things amusing and funny without guffawing. But what TV show do you watch and you feel like, OK, that's or it could be a couple of TV shows like that's a funny show. That's a well done TV show that's entertaining for its humor. Yeah. Uh, Nathan for you is a big one. Um, have you watched that at all? No, I haven't heard of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Nathan Fielder. Um, it's, it's in the same kind of zone. I think it's actually produced by absolutely Productions, which is like Tim and Eric oh, kind sure. of production company. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Tim and Eric and, and Nathan for you is a show where he, um, uh, meets up with struggling businesses and then comes up with a plan to help them save their business. But the plans are always, like the most insane hairball, like hairbrain kind of schemes. Like um, my favorite episode possibly is a gas station where he, he, they start selling, I think like 99 cent gas, but the way to get it is through this impossible to achieve rebate. That's like up on the top of a mountain and becomes this, the episode like slowly becomes this like reality game show of the people trying to claim their gas rebate. It's like, it's, it's incredible um and he's yeah he's great there's a lot of like really good um human moments on that show too that he catches that you're just like holy crap i just watched that person go to like an insane place in their eyes and then come back to the conversation (laughs) like yeah stuff like that yeah tim and eric i so my son actually got me Mm. into them oh my god i want to say at least god what year was it probably like seven or eight years ago they were on tour and mm, yeah. he was like, oh, I want to go see him. So he went and saw him. And then I'm just like, who are, like, what is this? So then he, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and by that time, it's like everything's online. So I started watching it. And it's such a subversive form of comedy. It's like, I can see, yeah. it's almost like how many, it's almost like Nirvana when they put their album. It's like, all right, how many people can we turn off that will never like us? Um, and it's I, like, I think that's a great comparison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, let's, let's be funny in our own way. And we don't care. And, and almost if people hate it, then it's almost better that way. Um, yeah i mean it blew it blew my mind when they first came out and also like if your introduction to them was live that's so funny because like live is like uh, when i've seen them live they they know that their the audience is like there for them so they can like push it even more you know (laughs) i've seen them just do like like the diarrhea song that's just them saying diarrhea like over and over and over (laughs) like i've watched them do that live before really did you ever see their billion dollar movie 
Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So that's Great. that's a it's a bit of a slog for people. Like I tried to get my girlfriend to watch it, and it was like not going to happen. But there's a <laughs> right, couple. Right. Of, if, but if you can stick it out through some of the painful yeah. scenes, there's a couple yeah. of scenes in that movie that are just absolutely some of the funniest shit I've seen. Like <laughs> when Will Ferrell is that guy who's <laughs> trying to sell his mall. Yeah, <laughs> everybody he writes a them. million, and it's like yeah. you can watch Top Gun like over and fucking over and over again. So like four it's times. so good. Oh god, it's the yeah, best. they're really good at like pushing pushing an idea to like where it's not funny anymore, and then they keep doing it, and it becomes funny again. Yeah. Like they're really good at that. It's really wild. It's true bravery, right there. Okay, we are down yeah. to the last couple questions. Um, Love it. Yeah, and I appreciate your time up front. Uh, so uh, I know you're part of a number of different improv teams and you know they've the live shows have been put on hold but I've been hearing rumblings recently that some of those things are starting to loosen up. Do you have any plans uh in the near future uh for any of your teams to go out there and and show live? I am patiently waiting for any any news. I I haven't I haven't heard anything. Okay. Um yeah, I've heard of, you know, just like in general, sort of like comedy places across the country kind of opening back up. But yep. for my for my little world, I haven't heard I haven't heard anything official. So fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, I mean, I, it's probably going to depend upon, you know, you're in Cali, so it's probably going to be a little mm-hmm. bit tighter there than than other places. And, uh, you know, who knows in Florida, they're probably doing like, you know mud wrestling already you know everything's going <laughs> yeah. but i mean yeah, I, truly. I, I think even in, so i'm in new hampshire and the, the portsmouth area is kind of like the the place for arts and they've got you know a couple of different places where people are normally playing out and they haven't announced anything inside yet it's still all virtual and then now that it's summer people can go outside and do things but um I think it's probably going to have it's it's probably not going to be at least for around here. I don't I don't see it getting back to quote unquote normal in terms of like concerts and all that stuff. This right, summer. right. I don't think. I, don't, I, I who knows. I don't I don't know. But I'm hoping. Yeah. Fingers crossed. It's, it's going to be so wild. It's going to feel so strange and amazing, and also it's going to be different. Yeah. People are going to flip out. Like when when you can finally go back to a baseball game, uh, simple things like that, or or a concert, or even just an improv show or uh, anything, it's like people are going to, I think, I hope, my hope in humanity is that everyone's going to appreciate it so much more than they did before that it will make the energy so much greater because people are going to be like, yes, finally we can we can live again. You know what I mean? Like, Honestly. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about like that first concert back, whatever, whatever it is will be really yeah. fun. And I was, I, I, I had the same thought where I was like, I hope that folks just treat each other better. But then I was, I was talking with my friend and we were working it out. How it's like, Oh, it's so, so good to be back. Yeah. Well, we could have been back sooner. Well, what the fuck? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> like how quick it'll take for like people to go down that route again. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. Funny. It'll happen. It'll <laughs> yeah. happen. All right. So, where? Uh, last question. This is a, the the biggest softball of all. Then, where can people uh, see you next? Where can they find you? Um, if people are interested in learning more about your work and and what you're in, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at a l i underscore h a n c o u r. Um, and, uh, in there I'll post about, you know, upcoming shows or any TV stuff that's coming up. That's fun. Um, and then you can also find me on Twitter. The username's different, but usually if you just Google me or, you know, yep. dig around, it's, it's easy to find. He's Those are folks. kind of my, my two big ones. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, uh, Ali, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're busy and I know that, uh, you know, getting on the phone with somebody and having them ask you 20 random questions is probably not on your list of, Hey, I can't wait to do that today. Um, <laughs> but you did it and I appreciate that. And, um, the audience here appreciates it. If you could see them, they're all standing and they're giving, you know, the silent, like jazz hand, uh, applause. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Like they're trying to make me miss a free throw, but they're like trying- silently kind of <laughs> <laughs> totally. They're getting the, the, the psych out in your head. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, thank I, you for having me, man. It was yeah, a blast. No, absolutely. And I hope you have a great night. Thank you too, buddy. I right, do. See ya. Take it.